Welcome to BIB Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIB.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, what tax measures we might see in the federal government's budget next week, as well as an update on the state of Canadian household indebtedness. We're launching our BIV Talks series in less than two weeks. Coming up on March 26th, we have Surviving the Real Estate Slump. That's our first event. On March 28th, we take a look at the 5G Dilemma. You can register now for these panel events as well as get more information on them over at BIV.com slash events. I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to BIV Today. Here's our show. The federal government tables its budget on Tuesday. Businesses, of course, want to see Canada's competitiveness addressed largely through tax measures. Shane Onyufrechuk is a tax partner at KPMG Canada. He joins me on the line from Vancouver. Shane, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you're most welcome. You know, I imagine that there is likely going to be a bit of a gap between what we should see from the point of view of businesses and economists and what we are likely to see next week. So let's start with that should piece. For Canada to be a tax competitive jurisdiction, what are some of the areas and policies that really need to be looked at by the federal government? Um, I think there's there's probably several. and I, And I think probably one of the things you're alluding to there is the significant tax reform that took place a year ago in the U.S., which not obvi- not only is our you know our trading partner, but obviously is a alternative business venue or capital investment for a lot of entrepreneurs on both sides of the border. Mm-hmm. So, what we're really seeing is increased ability to deduct costs in the U.S. quicker, which is obviously advantageous in terms of deferring tax for for a business owner. We're seeing lower corporate tax rates, um, which are now more in line with Canada. But given the U.S. is a bigger economy and a bigger market, um, it, you know, all things being equal, Canada sometimes needs to be slightly more competitive as opposed to just on par with the U.S. And then lastly, I think another thing that's been overlooked a little bit is we still have, and particularly in B.C., a significantly higher personal tax rate. So when you're looking at entrepreneurs and service businesses, or, or tech businesses that are, you know, portable in the sense that they could, if there's labor sources anywhere, they can carry out those businesses anywhere. Um, we're certainly seeing more of an inclination for people to either start businesses in the U.S., move businesses to the U.S., or if they've got businesses in both jurisdictions, you know, um, devote more capital resources to the U.S. businesses. Interesting. So do you think then there's a chance that next week we perhaps see some policies around personal tax changes or corporate tax changes? Um, you know, going to your gap comment, I I would like that to be the case, but I'm <laughs> personally pessimistic. And I guess the reason I'm pessimistic is when I look at the changes that were made, I guess what's now about a year and a half ago for, for private business owners, which actually made it less economically competitive on the basis that there needed to be, you know, more taxes paid by business owners to um, be more fair with employees and the middle class. I'm not optimistic unless unless the current government is going to do a pretty significant policy shift from, from what they've done in the last few budgets. Fair enough. We saw some tax competitiveness policies put forward in the government's fall economic update. I think that was largely seen by businesses here as a step in the right direction, but a a step that doesn't quite go far enough. What 
is your analysis of why government did what it did and, and didn't maybe go further to match or perhaps even try and beat some of the corporate tax changes we've seen south of the border? Right. I mean, I think there, I mean, in fairness to the government, I think there are some challenges. Obviously, this is a government that sees lots of things that it wants to spend money on. And obviously, you need to raise tax dollars to do that. So why, you know, what they did do was match the U.S. to a certain degree for certain types of costs to allow for um, for deductions up front for investments in manufacturing and processing assets. But the U.S. policy um, allowed for upfront deductions on all sorts of other costs. So, you know, it, it moved in the direction of the U.S., but the problem is, given all of the other factors, um, to the extent someone had already made a decision to invest in the U.S., at least in my view, there was nothing done in that policy statement which would change someone's mind. What it might have done is incrementally stem the tide a little bit from some people who were thinking about going to the U.S., for a business that has significant capital investment to maybe wait and see a little longer before they made that decision. Mm. For, the problem is for a, lot of, for a lot of service businesses, which don't have significant capital investment, um, it didn't match U.S. rates. It didn't do anything to deal with personal taxes. So I think, for, and you know, we have the disadvantage in Canada being a market that's one-tenth the size of the U.S. So all of those factors mean that I think if we don't do more, then we are still going to be at a competitive disadvantage for tax and all sorts of other reasons, and we're unlikely to attract a lot of capital in Canada or, or BC for that matter. They were also temporary measures. I'm curious whether that has had any kind of impact in terms of how businesses are planning and how they plan maybe five or 10 years out. For sure. I mean, I, I do quite a bit of work in the infrastructure space, and for these large capital investments, you know, LNG is a good example of that. These aren't decisions that are made in a week or a day. They're made over five or 10 years. So certainly making them temporary in nature means that um, if you're looking at doing a $500 million investment or you're looking at doing multiple $500 million investments over time, you're going to be disinclined to rely on this if, it, if it's going to go away. But But I do think the bigger issue is just that sort of, putting in accelerated depreciation, but at a less favorable rate than the U.S., I don't understand how that would change someone's decisions unless there was all sorts of other reasons why they would invest in Canada. Um, and, and from what we're seeing, um, obviously, if people have personal ties to Canada or they've got you know, other impediments to leaving Canada, that's helpful. But on the other hand, um, I, I don't think it's going to attract capital investment to Canada or or make the next dollar of investment stay stay on this side of the border. Is political stability or economic stability uh, something that businesses might look at and perhaps lean toward choosing to invest in Canada as opposed to perhaps some of the uncertainty that exists south of the border? For sure. I mean, I do. I do think that um, you know that helps. Obviously, recent events in Canada regarding SNC probably that a little bit, but mm -hmm. undoubtedly there are other factors that make Canada attractive from a business business perspective. The fact that we've got a smaller market, though, and the fact that we have less attractive tax rates hurt us. And I guess when you're thinking about tax policy, it becomes it becomes a question of is this something we want to use as a tool to keep investment dollars in Canada? And it doesn't seem like that's the focus right now. 
Are there some other areas government could explore to maybe bring about some tax relief? I'm thinking perhaps commercialization incentives or skills training tax credits that could help businesses, but you know, it's it's not necessarily slashing corporate taxes and as a result losing some of that revenue. Yep, for sure. I mean, I, I do think some targeted um, things, as you say, focusing on innovation, perhaps expanding our scientific research and development tax credit. Um, you know, other things they could do is what we're seeing a lot of is a lot of business owners would perhaps, you know, dispose of a business and go into other businesses or, or transition businesses and, and maybe put a new business owner in there. But the tax associated with the sale of a business to be an impediment. So I've heard some comments about the idea of allowing a rollover if you've sold a business and reinvested in a new business. So there was a little more. Um, disincentive to, to disposing of things that could be helpful. I think one of the challenges historically, though, with these targeted incentives is, you know, as a tax person, it just adds more complexity, which makes it more difficult for a business owner to understand the rules. Um, I think one of the appeals of a general lower tax rate is it's just, it doesn't lead to more compliance burden and more challenges for business owners to understand how the rules work and if they apply for them. Mm. We are in an election year and those sometimes come along with election year budgets. Do you think we might see an election year budget next week? I do. I mean, if you were to ask me my best guess, and it would be entirely a guess, obviously, I think we're going to see a focus on spending in areas like pharmacare and maybe some targeted issues for innovation and super clusters and those types of um, government grants or incentives, but I don't anticipate any significant changes. And unlike the last few years where there has been sort of targeted loophole closing from a tax perspective, whether it be with the income splitting or some of the other changes, I just don't think they're going to put those kind of measures in this budget for fear of backlash and because they're going to want to to keep as many potential um, voters happy as possible. Interesting. There will be a lot to watch for. Great to have your thoughts on this, Shane. Thanks for coming on the show. You're more than welcome. That's Shane Anufrejcik. He is a tax partner at KPMG Canada. One in five indebted Canadians say they're going to have to liquidate assets sometime this year to pay down what they owe. Lori Campbell is the CEO of Credit Canada. She joins me now with analysis on the 2019 Household Debt Survey, which is from Credit Canada, as well as the Financial Planning Standards Council. Lori, thanks so much for coming on the show once again. My pleasure, Haley. Now, I think it's fair to say at this point in time, the high level of household indebtedness we've seen in Canada, it's no longer new. But of course, the concern is that it makes us economically vulnerable. How do you interpret this stat that one in five indebted Canadians are going to have to liquidate some assets this year? Well, you know, it's very concerning. And and, and let's take a look at it. When we say assets, we're talking about selling a vehicle, maybe getting a second mortgage, selling their house. But more concerning is cashing in RSPs. I mean, that's really troubling because what individuals in those cases are doing is they're borrowing against their their future. They're probably paying at a higher tax rate if they're working and also delaying retirement. Mm, That is very concerning. Is this a shift 
And then kind of, I mean, I mentioned that this is no longer a new thing that we have very high household debt in Canada, but is this kind of new that we're starting to see Canadians finally turn to extracting cash from their assets? Well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the next step, as you mentioned. You know, when we look at an in, a, a debt to income ratio for every dollar a Canadian makes, they over $1.70. Now, Haley, to put that in perspective, back in 1990, for every dollar a Canadian made, they owed 90 cents. So you can see this shift um, with high indebtedness means that some extraordinary measures need to be taken in order to satisfy that debt. It becomes this kind of monster that you keep feeding and feeding to try to uh, correct and control. So that's why we're seeing people take these drastic measures, cashing in RSPs, selling their homes, uh, selling their vehicles, etc. So this, to me, says that people have hit a wall. And I, the, the next natural question, I think, is at what point do households realize maybe they can't get out of the level of debt that they have, especially if they've maybe cashed in all of the assets they have? That That is a v- very concerning situation to find yourself in. That's right. And so what we saw back in November of 2019 is an increase in bankruptcy and consumer proposals. And again, in January of 2019, and, and my prediction is that is the wall that we're hitting, is that we're going to see higher insolvencies and also higher delinquencies. Banks have had fair, relatively low delinquencies in the last five years, but we're going to start these, seeing these things creep up as people have nowhere to turn. There's no more cash to grab. There's no more assets to realize in order to pay off debt. What have you seen from banks or other lenders in terms of their response to to this issue? Well, you know, we know that they, they generally in these situations, the unfortunate reality is the response is, no, you can't borrow anymore, right? And, right. <laughs> you know, as, as people continue to borrow and borrow and borrow, and one of the, uh, the interesting stats that came out of uh, the survey is that, you know, 62% of Canadians are anticipating taking on new forms of debt in 2019 just to to deal with the debt they have. And one of those uh, stats included an increase in credit card balance by, you know, 23% So of individuals responded to that. So I guess what we're going to see from the banks is that, yes, they may allow some credit, uh, such as credit card, which has cards which have a very, very high interest rate. But when people are seeking consolidation loans and those lower interest vehicles to help uh, reduce the interest that they're paying on these debts, it's probably going to be more problematic for them to get. We've seen after several rate hikes from the Bank of Canada, followed by rate hikes for mortgages from banks, a few banks decide to actually decrease some of those rates. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if the level of household indebtedness is maybe a concern that the banks have, as well as a concern for the Bank of Canada, that if they're trying to increase rates and normalize rates, so to speak, they're actually hitting, hitting a wall, as you said, just like households are. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and I, that's the interesting prediction that we're now seeing in 2019. Originally, it was like, you know, three interest hikes. And now they're saying probably won't see another one in 2019. So that speaks again to the fragility of the economic conditions in Canada and the fragility of Canadians on a micro level who are dealing with all the that. Do you think that we might see any kind of measures in the federal budget next week that address some of these concerning stats? I would garner that we will not see anything specific. There might be something around the housing market, but I do believe they will try to present a a fairly good news budget. It is an election year. So, you know, talking about Canadians being in severe debt is not necessarily great news. So my guess would be we'll see very little or hear very little about that. 
There have been some rumblings that we might see government reduce the threshold for that mortgage stress test. In this mm-hmm. environment where people are taking on a lot of debt, is that necessarily a good thing? You know, at this point, that's a, that's a very uh, loaded question. It might be a good thing for those individuals that are not in the debt situation, that maybe new home uh, home buy, uh, you know buyers that really want to get into the market, especially as housing market prices fall. It might be an ideal time for them to get in. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't say that is necessarily an all bad news story. And it also... Um, may allow those individuals that need to sell their house an opportunity to get them sold uh, because there's more buyers out there. Mm, That's a good way of looking at it. Of course, Mm -hmm. a very relevant question to where we are in BC. How do we compare to the rest of the country when it comes to how much debt we owe? Well, in British Columbia, the interest, there's some interesting stats that came out. And what we found was that 67% of British Columbians think they're going to be taking out or anticipate taking on new forms of debt in 2019. And that's compared to 62% of the overall country. So that's a bit concerning. And and then add to that, of those, 31% say they will increase their credit card balance compared to only 23% of the national average. So I would suggest that uh, because of the high cost of living in British Columbia and because of you know, housing market being so tight that you see in British Columbia a little bit more of um, uh, of a problem when it comes to individuals trying to secure more debt and perhaps even more of a problem when it comes to them trying to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about some of the broader economic implications of this. One of the questions I had is whether high levels of indebtedness might mean we spend less, but from the sounds of it, it looks like we're actually intending to perhaps spend more over the year ahead. (laughs) What what are some of the implications you're looking at? Well, I think we're spending more, Haley, because we're trying to spend our way out of debt. Does it make any sense? So so you're looking at the the increasing credit card balances might be because they've got no more room left on in their overall budget or or might be Boring, one, boring from one to pay another. So as we cut back and as we claw back and try to pay off this debt, there's, a, there's another problem. The economy starts to slow because Canadians are paying off debt. They're not outspending. And so you can see how that impacts other businesses that normally expecting to have this revenue coming in that we're not providing. Mm. We saw some, I think, lower than expected GDP numbers nationally fairly recently. There's been Mm -hmm. the expectation for a while that we will start to see a bit of a slowdown, that any slowdown we see in BC might be as a result of a cooling real estate market. How concerned are you that if we do really start to see the economy slow down and change its pace, that we might actually start to see more bankruptcies or more challenges in households? Well, we certainly know that this has happened in the past. There seems to be a cycle of, of this uh, type of uh, situation every you know, five to ten years. So I do believe that this will probably be starting into 2019, perhaps even to 2020, that we will see a significant slowdown. And as a result, we're going to be seeing higher insolvencies. It, there's just no other way around it, simply because of the high levels of indebtedness that Canadians are experiencing right now, and the, the housing economy really slowing down and, and actually taking a downward uh, hit when it comes to resale. So um, we may find more people that have more uh, money owing on their homes than they actually can get from them. So as that happens, insolvencies will most likely increase. Mm. For anyone who is self-employed, we're a nation of small businesses to a large extent. We're very entrepreneurial. Might we see people perhaps seek out regular employment or part-time jobs or gigs on the side in this kind of context that we're talking about? 
I, I would undoubtedly think that we'll see this, that simply because as the economy starts to slow down, people are not going to small business, that, you know, whether it's a mom and pop shop or whether it's a, eat, a dining uh, or eatery or whatever the case may be, people start to rein in their own their own finances, then those small businesses are going to be hit. And so individuals are going to have to be very, very creative in how they're going to manage through this. As we wrap up our conversation, I feel like it would be very prudent to ask you, what should people do? If people are listening to this yeah. conversation, they're concerned for themselves or for the economy or people they know, what are some of the preliminary steps one should take? Well, you know, the, the big thing, Kaylee, is that people should really um, talk to each other. You know, if, you, if you're in a relationship, talk to your spouse or partner about your financial situation. Make sure everyone's on the same page. You don't want one uh, spouse or partner out spending while the other one's trying to pay off debt. Get the family involved. Look at ways of cutting back. And it may seem very simple and simplistic, but, you know, look at your budget. What are you spending in areas such as eating out, lunches, coffees? Uh, your cell phone package, shopping, whatever the case may be, and try to take that money and put it toward debt. It's so important that we open up this conversation. Um, and if individuals are struggling on their own and don't know where to turn, that's where a not-for-profit organization like Credit Canada can take a look at the financial situation, make some suggestions on how people can manage their finances better, and maybe even you know negotiate with creditors on stopping interest or reducing payments. And the same with RSPs. If, if individuals are thinking about cashing in their RSPs, talk to a certified financial planner first because that, there's some huge implications in doing that and they need to understand what they're up against. Mm -hmm. Lori, as always, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh my, thanks so much. My pleasure. That's Lori Campbell, CEO of Credit Canada. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIB Today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to us through iTunes or Stitcher. You can also listen to past episodes and read, watch, listen to more business news over at BIV.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>